On today's episode of Locked On 76ers, we recap the Sixers' Sunday night victory over the Charlotte Hornets, 131-113 victory. Joel Embiid strong once again with another 50-point performance. We'll talk about how he did it, what's important about it as we go forward here with this season. Right here next, Locked On 76ers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on. NBA and welcome to Locked On 76ers. I'm Devon Givens from 97.5 The Fanatic Radio in Philadelphia, along with my co-host and partners, always from the Enquirer.com. Sixers beat writer Keith Pompey. What's going on, man? What's poppin', D? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Two games at home, two wins in the books. The Sixers are two games over 500. They're back at it. So some good things to, to look forward to with the basketball team as we get ready for this podcast. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Joel Embiid just scored again. <laughs> so he stopped only playing. But Might yeah, as well. There's a, a lot of good things to talk about. Might as well. He is still scoring. And before we get to talk about his scoring barrage on the Hornets on Sunday night, we got to thank you for making Locked On 76 as your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On 76 is free and available on all platforms, including right here at YouTube at Locked On. 76ers. Well, Keith, you're talking about it and you mentioned it. He's still scoring. He scored 53 points on Sunday night against the Charlotte Hornets. He was 20 for 32, Keith, from the field, two for three from beyond, 11 made free throws, 12 rebounds, which was tied for a game high with the Charlotte Hornets, Mason Plumley, finishing in 34 minutes and 19 seconds with 53 points, Keith, on the night. This is the second Sunday that he has done this. If we remember his career high, what was it, 61, 60 against the Utah Jazz? Uh, that was also on a Sunday night here at home in Philadelphia. And he did it in a lot of different ways, really living at the mid-range area like we talked about where he knocks down that, that short jumper. They give him the space. He jab steps him, gets them to back off a little bit, and he uh, gets into that motion of, of rising up and taking that shot and knocking it down. A few also – uh, in the mid-range where he would jab and maybe get the ball and do a Euro step to to, to uh, get away from the defenders and finish at the basket also. And passing the ball, Keith. I mean, he had five assists again. His, his assist numbers have been pretty high uh, over the course of the season where he's had eight, seven, you know, five tonight where he's had some really good assist numbers because he's looking for his teammates this one here particularly, though, was was tremendous. And watching him do it, 11 free throws. So the last time out, Keith, he was really, really hot from the free throw line when he dropped that number against the Utah Jazz. He made 20 field goals tonight, though. You're right. And if you just take the 20 with the two, he made 40. But, of course, he made the two three-pointers. So you, act, you tackle on the 42 uh, there from him uh, tonight. But, I mean, man, he was, he was tremendous uh, with what he did tonight. He was fantastic overall, and we can, what else can you say about him? Sometimes he does things that drive you crazy as a as a basketball fan, as someone who covers him and watches the team. But when he does stuff like this, Keith, it's hard not to look out at how great he is. 
I mean, yeah, true. I mean, the the one thing is though, it, 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 it's, I mean, we gotta, you know, it, it's one of those things. You look at it two ways. It was a great performance, but you also look at it like who it came against, right? But the way that he did it, I mean, in the in the second quarter when he scored the final fifteen points, he had three consecutive and ones and mm-hmm. converted all of them against Mason Plumley. Mm-hmm. In the fourth quarter. His team was trying to come back, and guess what he does? He basically, like, he, he gets a timely bucket here, a timely bucket there. You know, Joel Embiid was the man. And the funny thing about it is, you know, like, you know, people could break it down, or like the shots and all that. But 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 to me, and, and it's, it's, you know, great that people do, but there's one thing that stands out to me about the whole thing is that there's been three games where they basically needed him and he willed them the victories. It was when he scored 42 points against the Atlanta Hawks, right, on November the 12th. The next night he scored 59 points against the Utah Jazz, and tonight he scored 53. Now, the thing is, yes, this was against the second-worst team in the NBA, but if Joel Embiid didn't take over that second quarter, and if he didn't like score 14 points in the fourth quarter, I mean, I, I think the game would have been a whole lot closer, would have been a nail biter, you know, but I, I just looked at him as a momentum killer. Whenever uh, Charlotte tried to get the momentum and come back, he was always stepping up and doing something. The opponent for me, again, just as a basketball fan and watching and watching how he did it, of course, you want to see it against Milwaukee and Boston, Denver, uh, a center like uh, Rudy Gobert, something like that. But it's not easy to score 50 points in the NBA, and he just dropped 53, making 20 field goals on a lot of jump shots. As we talk about playing closer to the basket, back to the basket, finishing in close. He did that with a lot of jump shots also, and they fell. And that's not an easy thing to do just because it's the NBA. I mean, in general, it's not easy to score 50 points in any level uh, of the sport. So I don't look at that stuff. And I know you're not, you know, as you mentioned it, I, it was one is funny because I got a, I got a tweet. And one of the tweets that was sent to me was exactly that. Joel Embiid was great, but I would like to see it against Milwaukee or Boston and, and do it like that. Uh, okay. You know, no one has said he can't do it. We've seen 40-point performances against Milwaukee or high 30s against Milwaukee, same deal against Boston. We've seen them. Uh, So that's why I don't minimize the fact that he did what he did because when you start to do stuff like this, you continue to put yourself in the the history books once again. Like uh, tonight – uh, with the, this, this is a first player in NBA this season to produce multiple 50 point games. First center to do so since David Robinson in 93 94. And as I look at some of the notes here, uh, the first sixer with multiple games of 50 plus points since Hall of Famer Allen Iverson had it three such times in 2004 2005. These things are not, you know, nothing to me because. That we, we just watched a great performance and they need it, as you said, every point. So 15 points consecutively in the second, 12 in the third. That's that's not that's hard to do, especially when they loading up to stop you. So I give them credit. No three and ones that you talked about, Keith. They were all at the basket too. Just going yeah. to the basket and finishing. 
Yeah, I, I can give you that. But the one thing is, though, like that one text you got, I, I kind of, you know what? I mean, it's to a point where when you look at a guy like Joel Embiid, I mean, greater it, he scored 52 points against this team. I think if Joel, if you line Joel Embiid up against this team, the Spurs, the Detroit Pistons, um, the Houston Rockets again, right? And if he plays this way, I think he'll average 50 points against those teams because they just don't have it against them. I mean, like <laughs> like poor Mason Plumley. You know what I mean? Now, now the difference is, this is the bad part about all this. The difference is when Joel Embiid doesn't play, they lose. They lost to this team. You know, points in the point. Now, now also, you got to understand this. This team was also without its two best players, too, right? So 50 points is nothing to sneeze at, but coming from Joel Embiid, I think is something that you would expect, in my opinion, against this team. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's kind of like they're not that good. But it's still a nice thing. It's still a nice thing. That's that's why I don't have the butts to it. I just say you just drop 50 on somebody. <laughs> and, and 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 yeah, it was the Charlotte Hornets. Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball, pardon me, is not defending and B. Mason Plumley is. And while Mason Plumley, as you said, you know, it's tough for him because he's a he's a good NBA player. He as far as being a good player in the league. He's not on the level of Embiid and some of these other centers. He's just a he's a good NBA player that could be on a roster for many many years, like he has been. Uh, fewest games played to reach 100, um, 30 plus, 10 rebound plus games since 81 82. Embiid is now at 346, um, right there with Shaquille O'Neal at 349, Carl Malone at 406. 461 for David Robinson and Anthony Davis at 470. So fewest games to reach 100 perform, point performances of 30 points and 10 rebounds since 81-82. It's impressive. That's impressive. So I thought it was a I thought it was a good great performance by him. I understand the opponent part of it, um, but how many times do we sit there and talk about? What he doesn't do against these teams too. You know how we always hear, "Oh, he should be destroying this team." He just destroyed that team. So that that's how I saw it. But I thought he was tremendous. Uh, one of the other guys that we wanted to talk about, Keith, was James Harden. His third game back since he returned from his injury, and uh, he finished with a double double of a high nineteen point sixteen assists. And I also know that it was something about this game with his game tonight last night that you wanted to discuss. In particular, we'll do that when we get back right here on Locked On 76ers. Yeah, the thing about James is, like, James played well, and I really want to talk about it. But right now I want to talk to you all about Rocket Mortgage, right? You know, Rocket Mortgage is um, – Rocket Mortgage, Rocket Money is a really good thing. Now, here's the deal. So, So the other day. I tried to cancel my Amazon Prime subscription. It took me, I kid you not, four different tries. Like, how does it take three hours to deliver a silly Amazon purchase, right? 
but not to, but not to cancel my subscription. I mean, I also had to cancel plans for the next several hours. But it's not just me. 80% of people have subscriptions they don't forget about, right? That's why I love using Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, right? Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. I'm telling y'all, do it today, people. Definitely do it today. Thanks for making Locked On 76 is your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, Keith, James Harden, big numbers. Yeah. 18.16 assists, 6 for 12 from the floor. He knocked down three of his eight three-point attempts, a couple of step backs, uh, where they were he, he lost Mason Plumley on one, giving him creating some space. Then the step back jumper. I watched him warm up, and it was the far end of the court and uh from the left wing. He just kept missing them. And he made one during the game, and then he made another. And I'm like, okay, he might be in a pretty good groove. And he only made three of the eight, but you know, they came in some big spots for him. Uh, but the 16 assists and one rebound shot of a triple double with nine. So 19, 16 assists, nine total rebounds, and four turnovers in the game. Keith, what was it about his game that you wanted to discuss? Um, I mean, here's the thing about it. Like, you know, a lot of people have been giving them a lot of flack about how they've been playing together, and it looked like the the the, the match. It looked like the two just didn't fix. I mean, didn't mix, right? So, you know, I understand that. Um, but indeed and Harden. Okay. But then tonight, now again, I'm gonna be honest with you. This was against the second worst team in the league, but it was one of those things where Embiid was cooking, and next thing you know, Harden became more of a facilitator. I mean, he shot six for twelve. He wasn't forcing anything. He was trying to get teammates involved. Now, to me that's the best ingredient for the 76ers right now. Like him being more of a guy, he had 16 assists. You know, he almost had a triple-double. I mean, to me, that's the best way for this team to have success and be successful. Um, Now, again, it was easy tonight, right? They weren't pressing because they knew they were going to beat this team. The key is what's going to happen in close games, and James thinks he has to take that shot or other people. But right now, it worked. It was like Embiid was cooking, and he just basically became a facilitator. And I think that if they continue to play the way they did, um, you know, Sunday night, then it's one of those things where we're going to look at it and say, okay, this is a solid tandem, you know, but – you know, the last couple games, it just looked like it didn't fix. Now, this is one thing I will say. They won back-to-back games with these guys. So now what's their record? So now they are what? Uh, they're three and they're, they're three and five or something like that. Three and five when they're or, – or four and five. They're four and five now. 
um, when uh, when they play together. So so that's that that's a good sign. But again, we got to realize this was the second worst team in the league. But I like what I saw. I don't think anybody's ignoring that it's the second worst team. But look, it was the opponent. Did yeah, but D, you got to realize there was nobody. I know it was their opponent. Yeah, but there was nobody. There was nobody on that team better than James Harden. Nobody no. on that team better than Joel Embiid. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, this isn't one of the teams. See, unfortunately for the Sixers, this team right here won't be a second round playoff opponent. No. You know what I mean? So like yeah, but, but we're talking about game number 26 of an 82 game season. We're, and we're talking about it because we have to talk about it because there are 82 games and we're doing the podcast. You have to write it. I have to talk about it on the radio. It's part of the entire thing now. When we get to March, I mean May, and we go back and say, "All right, if you're losing it, uh, that stuff back in, in in December 10th or whatever it is, whatever date it is, that you know you go back to that, yeah." But here we are right now. Of course, of course, we're going to want to say when you get there, do the exact same thing to whoever that playoff team is. Like, look, yeah, they play right. Sacramento on Tuesday. Sacramento is a much better team than they have been. And they are in the fifth spot right now. I think they're 14 and 11 after their loss last night to New York. And they're a better basketball team, though. So if they put those kind of numbers up against Sacramento, is that is that something that's you're, you're impressed with? Because Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, you got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with yourself when it comes down to this. This team was trash. I mean, like, I'm not going to be like, this team was trash. what they were supposed to do, yeah. Yeah, that you did what you were supposed to do, but there's – you know, like you know how he said there, there's some schedule wins, there's mm-hmm. some schedule losses. Mm-hmm. Well, this was a schedule win, one hundred percent, one hundred one percent. Like this team came in there, like you know, we made a big deal. People made a deal of George Niang playing. You know this other stuff. I mean, this team was without its two best players, right? And and like they were about their two best players. I mean, they had, you know. No, no offense, but they had two guys on two-way contracts playing in the first quarter. Two dudes on two-way deals playing in the first quarter. So as much as, like, to me, this is a confidence boost win. It's one of those wins where you say, hey, things worked well. Let's feel good about ourselves. But Tuesday's game, if they do this, that's a barometer game. You understand? It's going to be different. So – so that's why, yeah, you got to – I mean, you, you you can't – like I like they say, sometimes you can't get too high, you can't get too low. I mean, you know, Joel Embiid is averaging 33.3 points a game. 33.3 points a game. So you expect him to dominate this team, right? And now the one thing that I like about it is he showed some aggressiveness. He wasn't out there just shooting threes and stuff like that. He attacked. James Harden had 17 assists against um, the Washington Wizards in a in a clutch game. So tonight you expect him with people doing it to get off against this team a little bit. Now, you know, he, he just missed a triple-double. So, in other words, I'm happy for them if they're happy. To get but, off in what way do you mean? Points-wise? 
Well, nah, I don't think he has to get off points wise. I mean, get off as far as having an impact. And you know, did. like and, and that's what he did. But that's what you expect. Like, you know, the good the, the thing about it is, and I'm not trying to take away from it, but at the same time, you gotta use re, you you gotta like realize that this team lost a fifth game, six out of the last seven, and it's like I think they're trying to, like, tank. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it is what it is. Hey, hey this, that's 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 who you line up with because, like you just <laughs> talked about, if they would have lost this game, we'd be sitting there, how, how in the world did you lose that game to that team? And they did with their job. I'm not, I'm not over-praising them. I'm just simply saying you had a historic performance, no matter the opponent with the 53 point performance. And now that we're talking about James Harden, he was good. I'm not, I'm not getting crazy about what James Harden did. He had 19, 16 and nine. That's a really good stat line. Now, as you talk about, do it against Boston, do it against Miami. But since he just did it last night, he did it. (laughs) And, but as you mentioned the entire thing about what you want to see from him going forward, this is exactly it. It doesn't have to be that number of 16 assists. It just has to be that type of mentality, as you mentioned, where he is looking for his teammates to help get them going, get them loose, because he can get his whenever he wants. Get those other guys those good shots as you set the tone for the game as the point guard. So he did a really good job of that last night. Uh, Final segment for us, Keith, we got to talk about De'Anthony Melton, not just from last night where he finished with 12 points, but also from Friday in a game where he exploded for a season high and a Sixers high, 33 points uh, since joining the team. We'll talk about that, his outside shooting, everything that comes with his game as a two-way player, where he has been fantastic for the squad next right here on Locked On 76ers. Some of those guys, uh, Keith, that you talked about on Charlotte on those two-way contracts, some of those guys will be replaced. Some of the others will as well. And if I'm a team owner and I'm looking, you know, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. Now, you want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team fast and for free. Now, it's not going to be as simple as running an NBA franchise and putting the hashtag hiring the purple hashtag hiring to let people know that you're looking for a 6'6 wing that can give you 25 minutes a night. You're not doing that necessarily on LinkedIn. I wish it was that easy, but maybe with your small business, you're able to do so. If you're running a a small business like a coffee shop or something, that's a neighborhood coffee shop, a mom and pop type of place where it's really for your neighborhood or it's for some of the people, of course, that have been around for so long when you had the smaller place. And now you have this bigger one, but you need new people also uh, to be in there to run as your business, small as it is, grows a little bit more. You want to have good people in there. So when you do so and you're looking for the people, when you add your job, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are, in fact, hiring for your new coffee shop. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to 
faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. Locked on 76ers. He's Keith Pompey. I'm Devon Givens. The Anthony Melton Keith, 12 points last night against Charlotte Hornets on four for seven threes that he made all in the third quarter. He was four for eight overall. Keith, he didn't score until <laughs> that quarter where he just decided, all right, you know, let me knock down all these shots. Kind of carried over from Friday night where he made a career high eight three pointers uh, on uh, Friday night in their victory. Uh, once again for game number two. So he was tremendous in that game, following up with this one. Keith, we're starting to see a little bit more from him. Uh, what, As you've seen him through these 26 games that they've played, what, what has impressed you, maybe surprised you a little bit that you didn't really know much about De'Anthony Melton? I mean, I just think right now he's taking advantage of the opportunity that, that he's given. I mean, you know, on Friday night, I mean – the Lakers, they just left the dude wide open. I mean, they just left him open. It was like every shot he took, like, it was like, yo, y'all going to guard me? Like, what's up? Like, so I, I think that, you know, he's hitting shots right now. He, he, he's taking advantage of things. And I also think the fact that Joel Embiid, uh, God bless you, the fact, you. That, the fact that Joel Embiid was so dominating that it left space for him to do certain things in that third quarter. Um, so, but, but the one thing is, you know, the defense you hear about, you also hear that the shots that he's making from the three that, that like where he takes it at, you know, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA in those areas. Mm -hmm. But I, I have to say the one thing that's really impressed me the most about him it has nothing to do with his shooting. It has a lot to do with, his his grit. I mean, you know, this guy, here's a guy that can't even practice because of his back. His back is bothering him. But he's always out there playing, at least trying to be out there, the most part, to play. Um, you know, so to me, that's the one thing that really stands out. And I, I get it. And, and he had two phenomenal games. But these are the two things that we heard about him. Now, no one thought he would get, you know, 30 30-something points and, and and hit seven threes in the game. But to me, it's just that determination and that drive and that ability to be a two-way player, you know, is the things that's really standing out to me. So for me, uh, I would say it's the shot making. And it's not just the fact that he's taking them and making them. It's that, to your point, when he makes those first couple and he's wide open, He's now catching and shooting, Keith, and he's not deterred at all by the people flying at him, trying to run him off the three-point line at all. He's just waiting for them to fly by, maybe take a sidestep, side dribble, and rise up and take that shot. That's how confident he has been. And, and even though I've seen him since USC, and then he had to take that time off in college, went to Phoenix for year number one, and then ultimately ended up with Memphis, where he really made his name in the NBA, I've seen him take and make shots, but it's with the confidence level though that's there now at this stage of his career that has really surprised me that I get to watch him on a daily basis watching him maybe 20 times over the course of a 82 game schedule while he's with the Memphis Grizzlies is a little bit different than watching him 26 games here with the Sixers and of course going forward when we see him in these games but 
that has been the one thing that really has surprised me is that his shot, when he takes it, now I believe it's going in because I've seen it enough now. I've seen that when he does rise up, he's not worried about if it's going in or not. It's a good shot to him every single time. It's just a matter of when it goes in versus when it doesn't go in. And that's been the most surprising thing for me. The grit and all that you spoke of, again, just being the college basketball nut that I am. I saw him. I knew about him. Watching him in Phoenix year one, that was his way of getting on the floor anyway, playing with Memphis these last few seasons. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. And the offensive part, specifically the outside shooting, has been the thing that stood out to me the most in these first 26 games, or 25, because he's only he missed one game. Uh, because of that back that you talk about. So, yeah, he, he's a tough dude, man. Tough dude, two-way guy. I even had, Keith, a couple of people that I saw on social media after the game against the Lakers where folks were talking about, Sixer fans, that they want him to remain in the starting lineup when Tyrese Maxey comes back. And one mention, one mention replacing Maxey, another mention replacing either P.J. Tucker or Tobias Harris in the starting lineup. I think he's going to be perfectly fine coming off the bench with Shake Milton when Maxi eventually comes back. He is now, like we talked about with Shake Milton, he has shown you that he can do more than maybe they've asked of him before. So this time that he's getting the extended time as a starter has only helped him and the team really figure out what his role in and may play a factor of how much and how they use him going forward, which they may not have known before. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they always knew what they were going to do with him. I mean, that, personally, I, I think that, I don't know. I mean, it's funny how people forget how good other people are. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a good player, great addition as a third guard. You know what I mean? Right now he's excelling because he has James Harden on the floor because who can get him in, in perfect spots. You know what I mean? Like well, he was, he was excelling when they were all out. He and Milton. Not like, not like this, dude. I disagree. Not like, not, not. You think he wasn't hitting seven threes? You know, that, no, you, don't I mean, like, that, you don't have to have that impact, though. Okay, so this is what I'm saying. So, they were doing it differently. Yeah. When you you play basketball, so you can't tell me that when you play on the floor with an all star, two all stars. Stuff gets a whole lot easier for you. 100%. So he, yeah, so he's excelling because of that. He's getting wide open looks. When they weren't on the floor, he wasn't getting wide open looks. This isn't a knock against him. What I'm saying is that he's doing it. So now for when people to say that he should start over Maxi, I'm not saying you said it, but for mm -hmm. people to say he should start over Maxi, they don't know what they're talking about. When people should say that he should start over Harden, nah. What he did is right now is like he's solidifying himself as a guy who come in off the bench and give you quality minutes. That's what he's doing, you know. But I honestly believe that. See, because see, when Harden plays, and even though Harden's not making the shots like he used to make. When he plays and Embiid's on the floor, everybody gets open looks who they're playing with. You know what I mean? They get open looks. Absolutely. So he's one of the guys who's benefit benefiting from him. So, yes, he did play well before. He played well before. But he's getting open looks now. Now well, he's an, I'm, he, not, I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you on that. I'm talking about 
the way you said that he's benefiting from them being on the floor. Of course he is. Yes, he's benefiting from them. Every player would that's playing with two all-stars, like you mentioned. But that's not taken away from what he did, where he was still No, no, it's not taken away. 25, 27. He did yeah, it. It's not my, taken my point away. Was the impressive part about that was he did it without them on the floor. Yeah, I mean, you know what? True, but at but at the same time, it was kind of like they were like the ball movement and stuff like that. But that's who mm-hmm. let, let let's let, let's be one hundred though. Like they was playing these teams, and we're talking about the Orlando Magic, the the worst team in the league, <laughs> one of them, right? So, I mean, it's like I feel like even though the Lakers, even though the Lakers are were 10 and 15 after they lost to the Sixers, he was still doing it against LeBron, A.D., Russell Westbrook, people like that. You understand what I'm saying? So I feel like the caliber of competition just got a little bit tighter, stiffer. You know what I mean? Like, my thing is, when he went, he wasn't doing that. And again, good play. But he wasn't doing that against Cleveland. He wasn't doing that against Memphis. You understand what I'm saying? So it's kind of like that's when they really needed him to get do it and do it. But he just couldn't. He just couldn't. But, again, he's playing well. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm coming down on him. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Like when they won that three out of four, they beat Brooklyn. They they got they got ran by Charlotte, who they just ran tonight, and they barely beat Orlando one night, and then blew them out the next night. So mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So it is what it is. But I do think this is better competition. But here's the thing about Melton, I love him. But the knock on Melton isn't what he does on a regular season. It's the playoffs. Yeah. And that's the knock on a lot of these dudes. Yeah. Not, 100%. 100%. All this stuff leads up to the playoffs, and we know you get to the playoffs. All this stuff, in the end, it's all about what they do when we get there. We're not there yet. So right now, <laughs> you doing uh, – we, we just disagree on that because yeah. I, I look at his, I look at what he's done against those teams – and if he's a bench player and he's still doing it, he's doing it at a pretty consistent level against those teams when he when he does have those extended minutes. So I, I, I look at it differently than you. And that's the beauty of sports where we, we look at these things. And we might see them differently. But in the end, we come to the middle and meet in the middle because of the uh, same ultimate thing and seeing how they win those games and when they do get it done and when they don't get it done. And, and that's the beauty of conversation, conversing about sports in general and about this basketball team five years in the playoffs two, two uh, four second round exits a lot of frustration and we look at the regular season and say yeah but well, it's all about that second round matchup yeah. we past that we but we you know all, what D? we all agree on that but but you know what d i'm gonna be honest with you i can't like i can't bring out no pom-poms in the regular season um i'm not asking to see something I'm not saying you are, but what I'm saying is, like, I hate to say this, all this stuff is great and all that, but when you got a team that's 14 and 12 and, 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 and like, it's the regular season, like, the only thing that matters to me is what they do in the playoffs. 
I mean, real because a couple years ago they had the best record in the East and went out in the second round. So it's like, I mean, we've been covering this team for a while. I mean, I've been covering them for 10 years. You've been covering them longer than me. So it's one of those things where all this stuff is great and all that, but I, I come to believe, like, I love Ben Simmons. Great regular season player. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do – he didn't do well in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It was other people. So, to me, it's like it's nice to put some stock in it, but you, but how much can you put into it? As, because, much, as, you, as much as you can for right now because we can't fast forward the season and get to April and May. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I'm just a playoff dude, man. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm. I, I guess. I guess I'm on a microwave, dude. <laughs> it's like I ain't got time to see you cook it. Just saying, hit hit me up, like you know. What I mean, hit me up. Like when I go to my sister' house, she always like, "Yo, we're gonna eat at two o'clock." I get there at two thirty, and nothing's done. And I'm like, "Yo, I thought you said exactly." Yeah. Nah, yeah. I ain't got time for that. I just want to come. I want to. I want to see it when it's done. Yeah, uh, it's, it's always a good discussion, man. No matter what. Thanks for making Locked On Seventy Six as your first listen, everybody. For your next, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Keith, do you mind letting the good folks know where they can find us as we get ready for the uh, work week to start here tonight, uh, today on this Monday? Uh, back home in Philadelphia. I mean, you can get this podcast. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast at and on our YouTube channel. But when you go to our YouTube channel, just make sure you click the Liberty Bell and you become a new subscriber. You can listen to my man D on the Divine Giving Show from 8 p.m. to midnight tonight. You can also follow D on Twitter at DivineG975. You can follow me on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers, and you can read the articles that I wrote in Gina Mazel um, at uh, Inquire.com. Absolutely. We'll be back tomorrow to uh, get ready for the game against the Sacramento Kings. Keith said that's an important game, folks, so get ready. We're going to preview it tomorrow as the Sixers and Kings go at it on Tuesday night live in South Philadelphia. Keith, as always, thanks, man. Uh, six was two games over 500. I don't love the record either. 14 and 12, unacceptable. Uh, but we'll see. They got 50, 56 games left on the season now. See where it, see where they end up. But we can't fast forward. We got to go game by game, month by month. We'll see. All right, man. Talk All, to right, you. All right, my man. Peace. All right.